Welcome to the Wisdom and Wealth Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Clues. Each week, I'll be leading a series of conversations with our team here at Carson Wealth, which are designed to equip our listeners with the helpful insights necessary to simplify the critical decision points of life. We believe that true wealth is the thing money cannot buy and death cannot take away. Furthermore, we also believe our calling is to enable others to fulfill their own. And to that end, we endeavor. Welcome to part two of my discussion with Sarah Dewey from our trust services team and Scott Schlafman from our accounting team. Today's discussion focuses on keeping in mind your income tax bracket at retirement, RMD age of 72, and the tax brackets of your heirs who will be absorbing your qualified accounts over a 10-year period that is often in their peak earning years. Welcome back in. What I've experienced from you know my side um, has been you know clients typically when I when I when I put hard math behind it and say, Hey, this is, this is obviously tax laws can change. Estate laws can change and investment returns vary, but would you be okay with this amount of money going to the IRS and this amount of money going to your kids and, and basically bucketing that um, and saying, okay, if we make these minor tweaks, it changes your, not only your marginal tax bracket, but your average tax payment. 1%, you know, over the lifetime or, you know, it just basically moves, moves the needle. How does that make you feel? What does that make you think, you know, would you, would you follow that? And and typically that's, that's far more compelling, but I guess, you know, maybe that's just because I'm a numbers guy. So I don't want to bore anybody with that. (laughs) You you raised the the question of beginning with the end in mind. And I think um, a lot of planning is done with, uh, you know, with that not in mind, uh, to put it charitably, right? And and so I don't I don't know how else to, given the this changes with the Secure Act, I don't know how else to to handle that than to begin with that, um, and to say, hey, you know, we know for a fact that things change, but given gi- given your trajectory in life, this is what could happen. Um, I'd be curious for both of y'all's feedback to me. Um, when should I be having that conversation from a wealth planning perspective with a client as far as um, they've done a great job saving, but when should we take uh, a little bit off the table from a qualified perspective? And, you know, cause the, the traditional thought process was the for everything that you possibly can into a qualified account um, from your perspectives, what should I be keeping in, in mind? Um, and starting to diversify that outcome, whether it's, you know, trying to get them to do Roth rolls, whether it's trying to get them just to save more in taxable accounts for cap gains perspective. What have you, have you seen success in a good, a good uh, process there? Or is it just a, a constant dialogue between us? And Scott, go ahead, jump in on, on this, if, if you don't mind. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, it's one of these where the more I learn about it, the more I think, you know, I feel like it's always tricky because like I'm in my thirties and, you know, I can look back to when I was in my twenties and be like, man, I wish I had done certain things from a, from a, you know, from a wealth management standpoint, because when I was in my twenties, when you're in your twenties, you want to just spend everything you have. And, you know, you don't think about that retirement element or what vehicles you're using, whether you're 
thinking about contributing to a Roth, whatever. Um, and so, you know, I guess my, my answer is almost, well, you know, to me, it seems smart to start thinking about it early, start thinking about, you know, how am I going to see this money actually come out of these accounts? Because, uh, with, uh, I feel like when I was talking to a couple of people around here yesterday and with when we're contributing to IRAs, especially, we think of it as, well, it's coming out on my paycheck and it's not going to be, you know, that portion of my paycheck that I put into the IRA isn't going to be taxed. And really, that's almost um, misleading in a way, because when we think about RMDs, what this really is about is kind of the pendulum swinging the other way, if you will, where the RMD is when like fundamentally, when you put your money into an IRA account, what it does in that IRA account is it sits there and it gains value. So you start putting in money at 30 or whatever it may be, that money is going to gain value, whether it's through capital gains, dividends, interest, it's going to sit there and gain money until you pull it out. And throughout that whole process, as it's gaining money, you aren't being taxed on that interest. You aren't being taxed on the initial contribution. And so really what this kind of comes down to is the, when you're pulling, the IRS eventually wants you to pull that money out because you haven't been taxed on it for a lot of years. And so really this RMD, it comes down to, well, listen, you have all this money sitting in these IRA vehicles. We want you to take it out. We want you to take it out so we can tax it, so you can maybe have a little bit of fun with it. And uh, so going back to the original question, the sooner you can think about, okay, listen, this is going to be taxed at some point. What can I do with it? How can I, even if uh, even if it's going to be taxed, it's almost, how can I control that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it significantly limits um, the, the more you have in that qualified account, it significantly limits your ability to gift in certain ways based off of the, the tax restraints. Sarah, what, what would what would you say um, with regard to kind of the, the balance of taxable versus maybe even Roth versus qualified from your perspective? What have you seen given the changes that have been made? And and I think part of the issue is that since the the law just changed, we're we're moving everything into hypotheticals. Currently, there haven't been a lot of people that have you know that have basically been burned by this scenario just yet. But I think stories are going to come out more and more as far as like, man, if I would have known that this tax law would have changed, I would have I would have structured my wealth a lot differently as I was earning it and saving it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think overall, Americans have so much in qualified plans. I mean, it's usually quite commonly, I don't have an exact statistic, but it's commonly the single largest asset in somebody's portfolio. Mm-hmm. Just to think about okay, what, what can we do with that? And now that the SECURE Act has passed, no longer are we deferring it and, you know, oh, well, we can just stretch it for our children. That's no longer available in most instances. So it's really about management and the smoothing out of the income. And that's where the two of you come in from the, that, you know, professional angle of your, your expertise. How can we smooth out this income uh, tax liability going forward, given the fact that, you know, we have this huge asset 
from which we are required to take, you know, income from, and it will be includable on our tax return. So, you know, getting in advance of that and, and thinking about alternatives, um, you know, whether the Roth continues to make sense, whether it even makes it is available to you um, if you're in a certain um, earning stage of your life. So, um, as Scott was alluding to earlier, the sooner the better, I think, that you can start thinking about it um, and working with a professional to to help you plan all that is makes a ton of sense. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I go back to there's probably not a right or wrong answer for everyone, right? However, I, I believe my calling is to enable others to fulfill their own. And I want them to derive as much joy and happiness as they possibly can from the time that they've exchanged for their wealth. Um, and so I, I, I'm yet to run into the client, though, that that doesn't believe that they can allocate their earnings better than the IRS can, right? Um, I just haven't. Maybe, maybe, maybe I will find someone someday, but I, you know, I, I don't think I'm going to. With that in mind, I think it's also important that clients realize that their heirs will have 10 years to distribute these funds after they have passed. So you can imagine the scenario in which your heirs are in their peak earning years <clears throat> and have to absorb all this other income at regular income tax rates. So from a tangible perspective, what would an additional one hundred dollars or $200,000 do for your heirs' income tax brackets in those 10 years that they're absorbing these resources? How much would they be paying in regular income tax? This is definitely something that you need to keep in mind and plan for. The next piece that I would look at too, um, from a uh, from a Roth 401k perspective is, um, and, and Scott, I'm curious for your perspective, um, your traditional model has been, you know, early, early in your career, contribute to the um, Roth 401k, you know, because it just became available not long ago. But, you know, given that, contribute to that. And then once your income gets into, you know, th those higher brackets, then you, you toggle over to uh, the traditional 401k. Um, more and more, I, I'm curious uh, if there comes a point at which, you know, you're you're better off just just moving back, depending on, you know, and obviously you're arbitraging tax tax brackets. But are you experiencing clients asking you prior to retirement? Are they asking you those questions? You know, so far, honestly, we haven't seen a lot of it. But I think, you know, especially you know, as the laws continue to change, I mean, we've talked a lot about the SECURE Act and um, even now more and more um, RMDs, uh, you know, the RMD age may continue to go up. There is legislation. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, it's tricky because it's with so many laws, it's, uh, you know, it's, it can, so many potential laws, I guess I should say, you know, it, there's always that possibility of change. It's hard. It feels like it's harder and harder to kind of, you know, come up with a strategy that's going to be valid for, you know, five, 10 years down the road. But um, yeah, yeah, exactly. But we have to, we're, we have we're, to persevere. Yeah, we're, we're trying. And that's, you know, I think, you know, so many, so many situations, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to really come up with one good umbrella for everyone because, uh, but that's why we're all working together. That's um, the great thing yeah. about 
you know, Carson having all these services now is we can really tailor everything we need. Well, that is all for today. We appreciate your time and trust that you are better equipped to steward both your wealth and your financial resources. If you have questions or suggestions for a future topic, please direct those to infohouston at carsonwealth.com. Thank you again for joining us today. May you and your family encounter truth, beauty, and goodness on the road ahead. The opinions voiced in the Wisdom and Wealth podcast of advisor and host are for general information purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principle. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, please consult your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities and advisory services offered through Satera Advisory Networks, LLC, a broker-dealer and a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advisory services also offered through CWM, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, is under separate ownership from the other named entity. Josh Clues is a non-producing registered representative of Satera Advisor Networks, LLC. Our local address is 1780 Hughes Landing, Suite 570, Woodlands, Texas, 77380. Generally, a donor-advised fund is a separately identified fund or account that is maintained and operated by a Section 501c3 organization, which is called a sponsoring organization. Each account is composed of contributions made by individual donors. Once the donor makes the contribution, the organization has legal control over it. However, the donor or the donor's representative retains the advisory privileges with respect to the distribution of the funds and the investment of assets in the account. Donors take a tax deduction for all contributions at the time they are made, even though the money may not be dispersed to the charity until much later.